if you're wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. And we're halfway through with 2020, <laughs> which means it's that time of year again. Our top 10 list for the first oh half of the year. <laughs> woot, woot. Yes, traditions never die here on the podcast. So Corona can't keep us down. I mean... Have I seen half as many movies this year as I did last year? Yes. Have I seen worse movies this year than I ever did last year? Definitely. But we are here to give you our top 10 so far. (laughs) You know, honestly, when I put this on the schedule, I was like, I've seen way less movies than I did last year. Like, this is going to be ridiculous. And it turns out that I have not... I've seen 28 movies this year, and I think I'd seen 34 at this point last year. So not that but many more or less. But the quality... Less, like last year, you know what I mean? Like, there were Netflix movies I never put on my list because it's like, oh, it's just a streamer. Oh, I don't usually watch Netflix movies. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I don't really have that problem. But yes, there is a lot of there's a lot of stuff on this list that either a I would never have watched (laughs) if it wasn't in Corona in Corona times or B is just like really bad. Like I've watched probably more of the movies from the beginning of the year that were in theaters (laughs) than I normally would just because there's nothing else. And a lot of those have not rendered themselves. I know, man. It's a it's a truly different time to be alive. Um, But I did notice that were we on our regular, you know, were we on our regular uh, timeline where Corona never happened and we all lived happily, um, Mm -hmm. we would we would have had the opportunity to talk about Free Guy, the Ryan Reynolds um, video game movie. So would you rather have been able to go to a theater and watched that or be where we are now in this Corona. Um, well, universe. you know a fun fact about Free Guy. It is directed <laughs> by one of the cinematic masters of our time, mm. Sean Levy, who directed such classics as Cheaper by the Dozen, <laughs> Pink Panther, and Big fat liar (laughs) so i was honestly was sort of excited to see that movie despite the fact that it looked bad and that i'm not that much of a fan of ryan reynolds just because i was like maybe i'll get some of that big fat liar magic Yeah, it definitely seemed like yeah it seemed they seemed very comparable titles you know cheaper by the dozen and free guy they they hit a lot of the same notes i think i can sense your sarcasm Yeah. I mean, this will be an interesting episode. Um I I finally got my list up to 23 movies. Um Oh, okay. So, basically cuz I forgot one and then I made one count that I don't know if you'll agree with and then the other one I watched recently. So, I've really done my homework for this. You half know, year I think mark. anything counts at this point. I Truly, know. like you want to count, start counting TV episodes. <laughs> yeah. I'll, you know, I'll allow it. Oh, I wish I'd known that. Honestly, <laughs> just so many other things. I was like, does the Wonder Woman trailer alone count? Because that's better than at least four of my top ten. So I watched Titanic in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Can I put that on the list? Yeah. Oh. But no, I mean, there were some goodies in there, and I'm sure we'll disagree on which ones those are. Well, here's a question for you just before we get to this. Oh, okay. So you said in the last episode that you were rewatching the Harry Potter movies. Yes. How, if you included the Harry Potter movies in your <laughs> in the count, how many of them would make your top 10 list? How many of the Harry Potters? Oh. Yes. <sighs> I don't. It's, um, I guess... I think maybe only one. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a couple at the bottom of the list where I'm like, this really doesn't belong here, but we are where we are. So I actually made a list of everything that's better than some of the top 10 um, items on my list. So here it is. Um, uh, Things I watched that were better than my top 10. Uh, like I said, the Wonder Woman trailer, um, Never Have I Ever, the Netflix series, uh, mm-hmm. Zac Efron specifically in episode four of Down to Earth. <laughs> Check oh, <it> gosh. Out. 
No, thank you. Um, some of the musical clips from Six the Musical on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I think the March music video from the Chicks was actually very moving and deserved to be on this list, but it didn't count as a feature film. And also, I revisited the gif of me from Taylor Swift's tour video, and I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> that's a highlight forever, so... <laughs> I I will say this that I was looking over my last year's top ten list at this point, yeah. um, where we both picked Book Smart as our number one yes. movie, which just like talk about a gem <laughs> in comparison to these. But my number ten movie at this point last year was Isn't It Romantic? Oh my and gosh. <laughs> I I think that Isn't It Romantic is better than every movie on my list currently, except for one. <laughs> wow, so. that is, wow, that is just insulting on so many different levels. But the fact that Isn't It Romantic still lingers in your mind as a good movie is just... I've revisited that final dance sequence a number of times, and I think it is great. Oh, boy, 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 boy. I don't remember what my first of the top ten last year was. I know you guessed it. I listen. It's midsummer. Oh, that's was right. what it was. I think you because know, I was listening to the episode. Yeah, that's so. good. That's better than at least four of these movies. I, I'd have to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, th- what a different time, man. <laughs> I know, truly. <laughs> but um, like we did last year, uh, to sort of sweeten the pot, I guess, um, we try to guess each other's top three of the year so far. Um, last year, I think I got one of yours right, and you got two of mine correct. Yes, that sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really forgot sure. about some things you, <laughs> you guessed. Um, but this year, I was trying to think like really hard to like, get into Matt's mind space. And the problem is, one, it's a lot harder to know what you watched because we just don't we don't cover mm-hmm. movies in the same way. And so yes. it's really just anyone's <laughs> guess. Um, so but these are the three I came up with. OK, for your top three. OK, I think you'll say to five bloods. OK, I think you also will say Eurovision. Okay. And. I think the third one, uh, I want to say Onward, but I honestly don't remember how you felt about that movie. <laughs> that, doesn't that feel like so long ago? Yes. Like so long ago that we did that episode. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Let's see. For you, I feel yeah. like the old guard, okay. Um, I feel like, again, Five Bloods. Okay. And then let's see what on my list is going to be a third one that you. I'll be shocked if you get this. I could see you being into well, okay. There's that Taylor Swift documentary that's sitting right there, so that's an option. Um, Oh, let's see now. Like Birds of Prey feels like it was up your alley, but I can't remember how much you like that or not. Um, I feel like you also liked The Invisible Man, maybe, but I can't remember. Uh, it's tough. It's uh, tough. Okay, I'm going to say Birds of Prey as the third one. Okay. Okay, well, we'll have to see, but um, would you like to start this year with your uh, number 10 um, spot? Sure. Okay. I would love to. Um, following in the tradition of picking a movie that I think Shelby liked l- a lot less than I did, my number 10 is the classic action film, Extraction, <laughs> from Netflix. You know, I yeah. mean... You know, you're I'm, right. Isn't it romantic is better than that? So. <laughs> <laughs> Was th- Is this in your top 10? No, no. Oh, such a shame. Well, you know, it has representation on my list. Uh, You know, this was a movie that I just really loved the action scenes. I thought it was a lot of fun. It really had no plot to speak of, (laughs) which sometimes in an action movie is is almost better that it's not bogged down by that. Uh, And I think really the thing that did it for me is just the, the one long extended supposedly no cut sequence of um of him like in a car and then running through this apartment building and then getting hit by a car and getting back in a car and i just thought that that sequence was so good that it deserved a spot in my top 10 so i mean yeah it's just it's 2020 man it's like we have to make allowances somewhere so (laughs) i get it you get one freebie and i'll allow that one but 
<laughs> to see what's coming. Oh next. dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you'll feel similarly about my number ten, um, which sort of just squeaked in here. I never would have guessed it would end up on my top ten ever at any point in my year. Um, but Miss Americana, the Taylor Swift documentary, um, which I honestly forgot came out this year. <laughs> I literally thought it was 2019, but no, it squeaked in on January 31st. Totally different, different time. But um, this, of course, makes sense as a Swifty. Um, do I think this documentary could have been Better, yes, but I think it does a good job of sort of giving a different insight into Taylor Swift for the, you know, the lay people, the people who maybe don't know much about Taylor or her songwriting or how she's become more outspoken as the years have gone on. So it's like a nice crash course in the psychology of Taylor Swift that also works to humanize her in an interesting way. And so I like it. I mean, it definitely feels... It has a job it wanted to accomplish. And so that, of course, lends itself to a sort of bias that you see in these celebrity profiles. But it felt like more authentic than some of the other sort of documentaries about celebrities that can kind of turn into... I mean, a lot of them are tied to like concerts and and tour videos. So it's sort of hard to compare the two. But I thought it was fun, different, interesting, and easy to revisit. So it's here. <laughs> You know, it's, uh, oddly enough, this did not make my top 10. <laughs> I have this slotted at number 22 on the list oh, okay. right there next to Underwater, the Kristen Stewart uh, movie that was also from this year, although that, again, feels like yeah. it happened nine million years ago. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing with this is that I think also I sort of went into it with higher expectations yeah. than I should have, which contributed to my not liking it, where I thought, oh, this will be a really interesting documentary sort of following Taylor around. We'll get to see more into her like actual life and what she's like as an actual person. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being a little bit more of a propaganda piece <laughs> uh, for, you know, her various stances on things currently so yeah i i didn't love it but you know whatever I, it's again it's 2020 <laughs> so can't be too picky yeah uh, uh okay so number nine my number nine is a movie that i'm actually interested to see if this made your top 10 i feel like it probably should have but uh we'll see uh i have the romantic comedy the lovebirds oh. which i Again, like this isn't the type of movie that I would have thought, oh, this will be in my top 10. But I found it funny in a lot of sort of like the small in between ways. And I thought Camille Nanjiani and Issa Rae both were really charming in it. And I sort of liked some of the gags and some <laughs> of the scenes. So, you know, it's here. Yeah, no, that's um 18 for me, honestly. Oh, so, but, wow. Yeah. <laughs> right above extraction you hated so. it that much yeah i mean it wasn't hate so much as just bored disappointment like it was just like and the plot was just so dumb that i'm just like it's just i'll never get over how lazily they wrapped up that mystery like it was it was so non-important and it just bothered me but, you but remember the whole section about Camille and the milkshake and how, like, why yeah. did they give you the extra cup with the milkshake? But cool. they could have worked to make the mystery more interesting. Instead, they just kind of shrugged it off as, oh, it doesn't matter. We already knew about this. Like, it's fine. The sex cult doesn't mean anything. Like, who actually knows what was going on here? It doesn't matter. You know, it's just like, OK. Okay. okay. Well, I hate to see where these are going in these lists because yeah. now I'm beginning to look and I'm like, oh gosh, I can only imagine what Shelby's going to have in her top 10. Yeah. This uh, one, this one I sort of have here and I feel like it doesn't feel right, but you know, it's here. I think you have it much higher, but Eurovision is number nine for me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, I thought this would have been like number 100. So the <laughs> yeah. fact that it's here at nine for you, oh, such an honor. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't, I think on our episode, I admitted that it was endearing. It, like, the, it was sweet. Like, there were moments that surprised me. And I really loved, like, the comedy of Dan Stevens alone. And obviously, Rachel McAdams is just a joy to watch. So 
it was like, you know, it, it, it was just a sweet enough premise that like I could excuse some of the more frustrating things with Will Ferrell's character and just enjoy the music. And, and it's like, yeah, I mean, it was just a good, it was a surprisingly not painful watch. So that's enough to make it. Here. I'm looking at the list of movies. But I think that I can safely say that that has the best movie soundtrack so far this year. I mean, you're obsessed with it. I, I think we all know that and remember that and are aware of that. Yes. Um, but now I'm looking at the other soundtracks and trying to be like, well, okay, well, what had a better soundtrack than that? Ooh. Scoob. Uh, <laughs> first Cow. I, mean, I think there's a lot of... I mean, are you counting like like songs, like curated for a soundtrack yeah not not like a score no not like score like a soundtrack yeah i guess that's really i guess that's a low bar but maybe it took the cake on that (laughs) you know we'll see yeah (laughs) we'll give it an award (sighs) um okay well uh yeah i have that higher on my list so we'll get (laughs) we'll we'll circle back to eurovision at some point um okay my number eight is uh, a little bit of recency bias, maybe, but I have Palm Springs, mm-hmm. the Andy Samberg Groundhog Day mm-hmm, movie mm-hmm. that came out last weekend, two weekends ago. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, this was just like sort of a fun rom com, uh, light, easy breezy. I, I thought it was interesting. I thought the jokes were good. Andy Samberg, who I normally find very annoying, I think was giving his least annoying performance (laughs) that I've ever seen. He seemed very much like a normal person. And it also was one of those movies that had a bunch of really funny uh, actors kind of in the smaller side parts that then... So it all like added up to being something that I thought was really great. Yeah, no, we'll we'll be revisiting that one too. So... (laughs) Oh goody! Look mean, at us. We're getting on the same page here. <laughs> oh my word! Getting yeah. in the groove. Yeah, I think I'm about to piss you off though. Um, so my number eight is actually the aforementioned Underwater, um, featuring <laughs> Kristen Stewart and Aliens Underwater, um, which is were they aliens? Well, monsters. I don't know. So, A mo- fish. Know, it's, something. It's like yeah. the movie okay. Alien, but it takes place underwater it's basically the and premise. and not good so that is another <laughs> yeah, slight I mean, difference i i remember just like and i think probably this has part of that like nostalgia it's like oh remember movie theaters like what was that yes that's um, true that is true so it was just such a fun watch with an audience it was it was like a pleasant surprise in the pits of dumpuary and um I just appreciate a good, I like a good disaster flick, a good monster flick. So this is honestly up my alley. No one should be surprised. But also, say what you want. I think Kristen Stewart does a good job here. I think the scares and like the claustrophobia about being underwater is interesting enough that it felt sort of, I don't know if I'd call it fresh, but at least at least sort of uh, absorbing enough that you're like swept into the Swept into the action of it instead of picking apart the plot of it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would definitely, I think at this point, uh, saw off one of my toes to go see (laughs) just about anything on this list in a theater. Um, I... I had trouble with Underwater, one, because it was so dark and I feel like I couldn't really tell what was going on in part of the scenes. And I did see this in a theater, not on my laptop. So, but yeah, Kristen Stewart is an interesting one for me because over the quarantine, I've watched a couple of her more like artsy, fartsy Mm. movies. And obviously I've seen Twilight. I really liked Charlie's Angels last year that she was in it. And it's like the more that I see with her... I think she's a really interesting actor to talk about. Like, I think it'd be fun to do one of our birthday episodes on her, except for she has so many weird movies (laughs) that I don't think either of us have seen. But it's like she has very specific, like she is herself. And I don't think that she can ever act in a movie where she is playing something that is outside of her sort of, you know, like awkward self that she is bringing Mm -hmm. to it. Like, I've never seen her get into a character that isn't herself and so it's sort of how they utilize her or or work the movie around her where if they can make that type of character fit in well she can do a really good job at like acting the various 
emotions that she would feel as a person. And so I do feel like she's utilized well in underwater. They do a good job with her and she like, I think fits the character really well. And also she has really good hair. So, and I'm frankly shocked it hasn't come on streaming anywhere because I think this would do really well. No, it hasn't. I keep honestly looking for it because I want to watch it. That is wild. (laughs) What are they waiting for? I know. I think it would work really well. I think there's an easy audience like Crawl on who came out on Hulu like a month ago and everyone was talking about it, tweeting about it, loving it. I didn't really love Crawl, but I feel like Underwater would get the same sort of energetic reception. So (laughs) if anyone's listening, like release the tape, you know? Yes, release the underwater yeah. cut. Um, okay, wait, is it your turn or is it my turn? It's your turn. I'm just talking underwater. underwater. Okay, <laughs> okay, yes, 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 yes. Okay, number seven. Number seven. I have a movie which I don't think you've seen. Mm. Maybe you have seen now, which is the new adaptation of Emma yeah. that again came out earlier this year before uh, theaters shut down. And I read this book a couple of years ago and really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And I think I read it just long enough ago that, you know, I'm sure the movie is somewhat different, but I didn't care because it like stuck close enough. And I thought they did a really fun job of sort of making it feel current and kind of quirky. But at the same time, it also felt very of the period. Um, I really enjoyed all of the performances in it. And yeah, it was just sort of like a fun, interesting take on a classic that made me sort of think, hey, could we be sort of revitalizing some of these other old books into interesting (laughs) movies? Sort of like what they did with The Great Gatsby, I thought, a few years ago, where it's just like, there's some of these books that have been sitting around that are great that you could do something new with. Also, it's like back in the 90s, they would do kind of those modern adaptations of, you know, like... um, 10 Things I Hate About You or Clueless or whatever, which this isn't quite that. But yeah, I really liked Emma. But I don't think, have you seen it? it. Or did you see um, it? I love Gwyneth Paltrow's Emma. I love it so much. And I think I'm resistant towards seeing this one because I don't think, I don't think the cast does these characters justice in my mind. I mean, like the Mr. Knightley was like part of my, sexual awakening honestly like i just i treasure their relationship in gwyneth paltrow's emma and who so who played him in that oh, he's like a nobody famous? no i mean he's been in a couple okay. things but he was he was meant for that role in that role alone gotcha. and so i've been sort of resistant i did see some clips of it that looks like i like the sexual tension of those sort of regency era like you know they can't mm-hmm. really get physical but it's like oh glances and hand touches so I'm curious to watch it, but I I just never got around to it. The guy who plays the the sort of like weird pastor mm-hmm. in Emma also plays Prince Charles in The Crown, <laughs> the third season. And he is just gold in both of them. And then also, I, again, I can't remember the characters' names, but the, the woman who's sort of like the local town gossip mm-hmm. in Emma, she is also great in this movie <laughs> as well. So... Yeah. The two of them well, my mom really like it, so. uplifted. Oh, well, perfect. <laughs> Get a, on it. Yeah, that's a vote of confidence. Um, well, my number seven is uh, Palm Springs. So it just squeaked in a little oh, higher. Um, and it was. It was a surprisingly funny and sweet movie for something that's pretty overdone. You know, the time loop storyline. Um, I think Andy Samberg, Kristen Milotti had great chemistry, but J.K. Simmons was like, the best part of the movie and I wish that he'd been in Mm -hmm. more and so it was like fun to see how they worked in the universe a little differently because it it implies that they've been around for like (laughs) you know decades if not longer which was just kind of a clever I don't know look at how miserable this could get they there were moments where they would go on these like monologues that didn't always it didn't always feel earned or like I felt like they had learned anything, but then they were talking like mm-hmm. they did. And then the next scene they'd have a different opinion. So it was kind of, yeah, kind of like uneven as far as the character arcs go. But I think like you mentioned, like Andy Samberg is so likable in this that you're kind of just enamored by it anyways. Yeah. I sort of felt like when they ended up kind of falling in love at the end, I wasn't sure, or they sort of both say to each other that 
like I love you yeah. and I didn't feel like that was necessarily earned based on what we'd gotten earlier in the movie but you know as far as a comedy goes yeah. with Andy Samberg and a weird Groundhog <laughs> Day plot and also a member of the Riverdale cast yeah. you know I thought it was great <laughs> yeah no there were some laugh out loud moments like we were Rob and I were both surprised by how actually funny it was because you know you, you kind of go into every movie these days with a pretty low bar so <laughs> yeah which maybe helps honestly <laughs> yeah. some of these like would palm springs yeah. have fared well in theaters you know <laughs> next to wonder woman and oh, yeah. antebellum probably not <laughs> but but it was a sweet a sweet surprise on a saturday morning halfway into our hundred days of quarantine so Yes. When it's that <laughs> or, you know, sort of like the wrong Missy oh, or who knows what else. Yeah. Yes. It's great. Yeah. Uh, okay. Number six. I have another movie, which I'm not sure you've seen. Uh, the Assistant. Mm. Did you ever end up watching this? No, I didn't. But I'm I'm proud of you for having it so high. <laughs> the, this is like this would be this is a trigger warning for Shelby and myself, honestly, it's sort of uh, loosely based on Harvey Weinstein's assistant. And it's all set during one day. If I'm remembering correctly, it's just sort of like a day in the office working for somebody like that. And it's the day that that his assistant sort of like realizes what he's up to. And I just thought it did a really good job of showing you what it is like to be an assistant in an office <laughs> environment that's sort of mm. like this, uh, you know, these like media kind of type places because yeah. Shelby and I have worked in them and, you know, I have friends who've worked in them and you sort of like, you know how the power dynamics work and the office politics and just all of that. And I thought this did such a good job of just realistically showing you what this life is it's sort of bleak and depressing and it's also not really a big movie i mean it's just sort of like a day in an office so it's i mean there's definitely like big emotions but it's not like anything that groundbreaking is happening yeah. in it but yeah i i really thought it was very well done and um the oh what's her face the girl from um ozark yes. is the uh, what's her Gardner Gar Garner Julia Garner? I love her. Who's that. all who who was also in uh, Maniac last year? Uh, she just does a really good job as the main character. So yeah, yes, this was great. I feel like you would like it, Shelby. I know. I I think I would. I just honestly, I don't have the same like how do we say access to some of these movies that you have mm, mm -hmm. uh you know just the privilege you carry um yes but also it is sort of like oh do i want to revisit that <laughs> yeah and especially during quarantine yeah. you know like when you're already sort of depressed yeah. is this the best movie to be watching yeah. maybe not yeah. <laughs> no but that's a good recommendation and um you know the oscars going how it goes maybe that'll make an appearance again but my number six is um, Birds of Prey. So <laughs> you were oh, wrong. Okay. Not my top uh. three. One less point for you. But Birds of Prey, obviously, Margot Robbie uh, sort of spinoff of the Suicide Squad. This was another one that was in theaters. We didn't do an episode about it. I don't remember why. But I mean, did yeah. other stuff come out? I don't know. <laughs> well, did it did it come out like when like the Oscars happened yeah, or something? Something like that. Maybe that's busy yeah. time for us on the pod. Um, but I think back when there were yeah. things to talk about. <laughs> but I really enjoyed this. I think it was a lot more fun. It had a, a much better artistic and directorial sort of vision than Suicide Squad, which I guess you liked, but I hated. And some of the complaints about this were from stupid, like, stan boys who were like, she's not sexy anymore. <laughs> so I, of course, was like, yes, queen, get it. And it also features a delightfully off-kilter Ewan McGregor, who is just my favorite type of Ewan McGregor role. I just love watching him be crazy and weird. And everyone in this movie seemed to be having so much fun and it was just so bright and colorful and energetic. And I just, I had a good time watching it. So, yeah, this movie is number 15 on my list. Uh, so a little bit lower, but I also really enjoyed it. I mean, it was fun. 
I thought that some of the like the movie was just kind of uneven in places. There were things that were weird and didn't really fit necessarily. It just felt it was very fun and upbeat and high energy, but I didn't feel like at all necessarily like clicked in the mm. way that maybe the director or the screenwriter thought it was going to click. Like there was this long section in there about like how much, uh, Margot Robbie's character is obsessed with like breakfast sandwiches, which I mean, I too am obsessed with breakfast sandwiches and like that scene is great and I love it, but it's very weird to just like be in the middle of the movie. There's just a (laughs) lot of strange things going on. So I feel like I didn't like it as much as maybe I could have. Okay. I loved the breakfast sandwich storyline. I think it was just so relatable. I mean, also, can you imagine, like, going someplace and, like, getting a breakfast sandwich while talking to somebody yeah, without, like, you know, <laughs> no mask, a mask no on? Judgment. Yeah. Oh, what mm. a dream. <laughs> uh, so uh, to now take out one of your top three, number five for me is Onward, okay. the Pixar movie. Which I sort of thought, like, that I wasn't necessarily going to like that much, Uh it's like the fantasy world sort of in modern day and these two boys who are trolls, <laughs> goblins, elves, Ew. elves. I think they're the elves are looking for their are yeah, get this like magical staff and they're trying to see their father for one more time who has died earlier. But it ended up just being such a good story about brothers and the ending is such like a gut punch and unexpected in so many ways. And I thought the world building was really clever that I ended up liking this a lot more than I thought I was going to. And so it's number five. Well, congrats to you. I did not enjoy it. It's number 16 for me, which sounds high. But remember, I've only seen 23 movies. So... (laughs) How dare you? Yeah. Um, But it was better than Tom Hanks' Greyhound, so. (laughs) Oh, I have not seen it. I heard it's very technical. That's one word for it. Um, But getting into my top five, I'm so excited. Um, I don't think you've watched this. I don't know if you'll count it, but Hannah Gatsby had a new comedy special come out called Douglas on Netflix. Um, oh, I heard this was bad. Oh, who were you talking to? Do you need to fire? Them? I don't. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I saw it on Twitter. Life? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it has ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. If you care about that, but okay. Well, you know, I mean, I don't know who... yeah. So Hannah Gadsby sort of she's been a a, a comedian for quite a while from Australia, but she sort of hit the scene majorly with her special a couple of years ago, Nanette, um, which sort of broke the standards of what a comedy special is and dealt with a lot of her own trauma and sort of unpacking what the comedy field has done to her psychologically and what it means as a as a whole to the community and that alone is just a beautiful like wonderful amazing hilarious piece of art um so douglas is her follow-up to that and uh obviously had a lot to live up to which she sort of acknowledges in her special um i just love her honestly um rob and i saw this live when she came to houston but then revisited it when it came out on netflix and it is just she is so funny because she's sort of it's just hard to describe she just does things in such a unique and interesting way that you're sort of like you're sort of having this out-of-body experience where you're enjoying the jokes, but you're also sort of watching how it happens and kind of being like, okay, how is this going to work? Like, where is she going with this? And this special especially just kind of crescendos in this like last 15 minute, just like barrage of truly hilarious comedy that had me like crying, laughing so hard. I love it so much and I can't recommend it enough. And I think it's hard for people to get into at first because she has sort of a weird energy. Um, she talks a lot about her autism and she's also lesbian and she's from, you know, Tasmania. So it's like there's a lot of stuff that feels kind of like, okay, like what is she going to get to? Like what is this going to mean for me as a dumb American? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. but she really nails the landing with this special and I, I just loved it. It's so funny. 
You know, for whatever reason, I truly hate watching stand up <laughs> in in real life and specials. <sighs> like even some of my favorite people who I think are so funny in real life, like watching a stand up routine for them, I'm just so deathly bored. So I probably won't ever watch <laughs> this, but I know that there are lots of people who love stand up. <laughs> so for them, I say, oh, give it a try. So funny. And she has like, a, she's an art history major and she recognizes how useless a f- skill that is, but she still brings it in in such a funny way. And so she'll like start to analyze these old art pieces. <laughs> oh, it's just so funny. I'm going to rewatch it after we're done here. I swear. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll go back and rewatch the uh, final dance yeah. sequence from yeah, Isn't It Romantic? To get us through. Uh, Okay, number four for me is another one of these sort of nebulous, like, movie-not movies. It's uh, Bad Education, Mm -hmm. which came out on HBO earlier this year. This was the Hugh Jackman, um, Allison Janney, Long Island School District money uh, smuggling film. And... I just loved this so much when we watched it and when we covered it. I think, again, because we were watching it in such a dearth of good quality entertainment, it soared that much more. But Hugh Jack, both of their performances are really good. It sort of is a mystery that unravels itself in a really interesting, unique way where you sort of think it's going to be one thing and then it's something else and then it's something else. And it's like every five minutes is an interesting turn that you didn't think would happen. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's on HBO, it's on HBO max. It was like very readily available. I would definitely say watch it if you haven't, because it's one of the best things that's come out recently. I know I have it at number 11 and it, it was a lot of oscillating like between that and like Miss Americana and Eurovision, especially. I was just like, I can't, I couldn't decide. I just, I didn't, it didn't feel right. I don't know, man, (laughs) but it was good and it was entertaining and I, but I don't know if I'll ever care to revisit it. You know what I mean? It's so interesting because I feel like coming, like if I had to guess which things you liked based on your responses in the episodes, (laughs) I would have been like, oh, she loved bad education. That would definitely be higher. I I think I do tend to think, well, what will I want? to rewatch like what could I actually sit through mm-hmm. again and so I think that yes. movie is one that I really appreciated but I doubt I'll ever think about it again <laughs> oh see I feel like that was ex- the is the exact type of movie that I could rewatch just because it's so like juicy yeah. but also maybe I'm a worse person than you are <laughs> so no but it was a fun watch and I still tell people if they're bored they should you know put it on Oh, yeah. Um, But my number four is The Invisible Man, um, another movie theater Mm. hit. Uh, This one is the Elizabeth Moss sort of modern, modernized, feminized retelling of the story of The Invisible Man. So it totally turns it on its head and is from Elizabeth Moss's perspective as an abused wife trying to escape this psychotic husband who starts to harass supposedly harass and stalk her as an invisible somehow invisible man and I I really enjoyed this I mean I I'm starting to think I honestly can't remember how you felt about it but your silence makes me think it's either in your top three or you hated it and I'm I think it's probably (laughs) you liked it but it was just like Elizabeth Moss is always a joy to watch um this director sort of took a really interesting approach he is He's a guy, but he really wanted to work with Elizabeth Moss to make sure it felt authentically female and sort of uh, explored this abusive relationship in an interesting way. And so that was a really compelling um, element to me. And then on top of that, a lot of horror is like too gory or like too jumpy for me. And this features just a lot of sort of skin tingling, like, oh, is he in the room? Is he not in the room? Like... So it was a lot more enjoyable for me as a low-key horror fan. And um, I think it just works. And I I even listened to some of the commentary that came out online. So oh. I know, I'm like a huge fan, I guess. 
all in. I like this movie. Uh, I have it at number 11 on my list. So it really was, it was me trying to decide whether it should be the Invisible Man extraction (laughs) or all the bright places that made it in as like the the last uh, movie onto the list. I, yeah, I mean, I thought this was really fun. This is one of those movies that I thought based on the trailer okay we've seen everything that's going to be in this movie this is going to be a a boring watch because we know what's going to happen and in some ways that was true but i also think that it did end up doing some interesting uh things that i didn't see coming Uh, for me i think the thing that sort of held me back on this one is that there was just a little too much of like people being stupid, you know, like the characters acting in ways that you're like, I don't know if you would actually do that. Like this seems that weird. So and then funny. also the one thing that just keeps that I keep thinking about with this movie is who was that guy? Like what was their relationship between not the husband, the guy that she's like staying with? <laughs> I, I just remember watching it being like, who it's is this person? friend, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but it's like never really fully explained. Men it's and very women weird. Can be and friends, there's a sister. Matt. Yeah, I know, <laughs> Shelby. Uh, I mean, we're friends despite yeah. being mortal enemies. So there's that. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I liked it. I liked it. It's good. I would, I, I would not uh, knock you any points for yeah, having yeah. not for having it in your top 10. I think it's a good choice. Okay. It was a very well done movie. Yeah, no, and it and it also was just another theater experience to remember fondly. Yes, so true. <laughs> so what's your top three, man? Okay, top three. Uh, oh, I don't know what it is. The... Uh, okay, so number three um, is a point for you. <laughs> I have, and this, you're probably going to get mad, uh, I have Five Bloods as oh, number three. interesting, okay. Which is the Spike Lee movie that came out on Netflix yeah. earlier this year, which I really oh, loved, no. and I think <laughs> that the acting is phenomenal in. This is, and, like, this is like Parasite all over again, isn't it? I can just imagine uh-huh. what your top two are. Yes, yes. I picked this uh, as, as number three, and I was like, Shelby's gonna be mad. She's gonna be like, how is this not higher? <laughs> but, you know, I think... Uh, when we watched this and recorded the episode, I feel like we were both like fully 100% in on it. And then after I watched it, I did see some sort of comments online about the weird tone and the unevenness, which I had mm-hmm. liked initially. Mm-hmm. But the more that I was thinking about it, yeah. right. I sort of felt like, okay, I think there were some... Like, this wasn't a perfect movie. I think there was some holes in it. And I think that the fact that it came out in such a bad time made me just, like, obsessed with it for a few days when maybe it wasn't, like, fully deserving of that. And there were two movies that I felt If Eurovision is above this movie, (laughs) we're going to have some words, okay? But continue. Let's hear about how uneven the Five Bloods was. Well, no, I just, I, I mean, I think it starts with all of those like really graphic, gruesome images and then moves right into sort of this like jokey hotel thing. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that there was some, I think it felt a little bit uh, unpolished in mm. some ways. And. Okay. So not I mean it's in my top 3. I loved it. It was a great movie especially in this year. Great. Yeah. But I have two <laughs> other movies that I liked more. So oh, I don't dear. know. I just unless you totally surprise me and like have first cow up there. I just have questions. But <laughs> Oh yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. is coming. <laughs> uh Fantasy Island. Oh, a lot of interesting uh, stuff. Let's just get to it. Um, number three for me was, in fact, the old guard. So I remain predictable because my taste continues to make sense. So the old guard, which we talked about just last Does week. Does my taste not make sense? Your taste is, is it so not predictable? It's all over the place. There is no rhyme or reason to how your brain works. And I have spent the last two years trying to figure <laughs> it out. Like, honestly, <laughs> I'm like going to write a book on it at some point. Like, this is just... 
Uh, nothing gets me more flustered than hearing something out of left field from you and just being like, I thought I knew it. I thought I had you pegged for once. I mean, you do, but you don't, you know, <laughs> it's I like just, you knew that that would be yeah. in my top three. I guess I just had higher hopes for you. You're right. Like I, like I just always believe in you a little bit more and then you just let me down just like a tiny, just like a hair's. Just like it, just you know, I gotta keep you on bit. your toes. I gotta keep you on edge. Oh, but yeah. Okay, tell us why the old guard the old was great, guard. which I had at sixteen. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, you didn't really watch it as we discussed, since that whole uh, gay romance took you by surprise. <laughs> but no, I just I love a good character-driven piece that also happens to be an entertaining action flick. So I think we just disagreed there, but altogether, I was just totally captured by this weird sort of um idea of these immortal warriors i love Charlize theron i thought the uh director's point of view was just so so refreshingly just like straightforward and just like oh so feminine and i just i loved it i i enjoyed it so much and i think it's one i can revisit and honestly i feel like this still would have maintained its spot somewhere in my top 10 maybe uh, I don't know. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> but it, I'm happy to have it here. Well, was it better than Midsummer? That's an interesting question. They're just so different, you know? Like, like the Old Guard obviously is more built for something like Netflix. Like, I don't know if it would have worked as well in a theater. But I think it had so much fun doing what it was doing and, like, also having that emotional pull to it that it was, like... I was surprised by how much I cared about the characters, about the story, about like this universe. And I just like, I really connected with it. So I don't know. I'd have to mull that over. I'd really have to make a master list of the greatest films ever made. I think this is definitely like, you know, it's not like Mad Max or something where you have the layers of artistic value to it too. But in quarantine, this really just like struck a chord with me. I mean, that's truly the question for every movie on this list. It's like outside of quarantine, (laughs) would it stand up at all? Or is it that I didn't see anything (laughs) or anybody that day? And so it was more interesting than, you know, just laying in bed. Uh, It is weird, though, that you said that you thought the old guard was fun. Because I feel like the one thing that the old guard was missing was fun. It was like too serious, (laughs) too realistic. I wanted more. It's not you on know, your top 10. So a we don't jazzy energy. <laughs> Whatever. Again. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I don't top you with two, the baby. You know? <laughs> top. Oh my gosh. The Bhagavad. What another disaster. Yeah. I should have put that lower. What is below oh, that? So weird. So weird. Scoob. Oh, really? Okay. It's, what's it's, your it's number tricky. two? Did I nail it? Yes, you did. My number two is Eurovision <laughs> Song Contest, the story of Fire okay, Saga. Okay. I just, which... just want to, I just want to ask. Okay, how mm-hmm. is Eurovision not uneven? And um, what were the other word choices you had? I should have written them down. Uh, here's so the curious. thing. Here is the okay. thing about Eurovision Song Contest. Okay. I I thought I I had a lot of thoughts about where to put yeah. this on the list. Originally, I had it ranked a lot lower, <laughs> but. I decided that these are rankings based on favorite. They're not (laughs) rankings based on best. So like was Eurovision Song Contest the best made movie, like the best art piece of the year? No. Like were some, like was Bad Education, was Defive Bloods, like was the assistant better than it in that way? Yes. But the amount of fun and joy (laughs) that I had watching Eurovision Contest song contest and then since by listening to all of this music again and i've rewatched clips and you know i'm just i'm a sucker for a song for a catchy song i'm a sucker for a dance number i just loved this movie so much like deeply intrinsically loved it that I felt like it would be a disservice and a dishonesty to myself to not have it ranked higher so I put it at number two. Well, yeah. I mean, it's your list. It's your choice. It's uh, if you're happy with those, what that says about you, that's, that's great. I'm, I'm happy for you. And I'm starting to rethink my, I think 
I know what's coming next on your list and it's, it also boggles my mind, but, um, you know, we'll just cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, you know, the thing, the thing with Eurovision is (sighs) that it's just like, I think also because in this time where everything is so serious and so kind of depressing just in life in general, Eurovision was so different from everything else and was just such a wonderful break (laughs) where it's just about all of these people in fun costumes, like getting together, going to parties, singing songs, being with each other. It's about there's no real bad guys. Everybody's friends. Everybody's working together at the end. There's like not conflict. Like, yeah. It just felt so wonderful to watch, yeah. except for the <laughs> Americans, which, again, you know, that's a lesson we that we should that. be learning yeah. right now. So, yeah. well, then you're not going to like my number two. Um, this is the one I just barely watched. So it is coming in hot, but I loved it. I had never heard of it until doing like I was looking at. I don't remember. Like. I was making sure I checked off all my 2020 movies I did see. And I saw this listed as one. And I was like, what is this? Um, On the Record, which is a documentary on HBO Max that is about the fall of Russell Simmons, the hip hop mogul and co-founder of Def Jam Records, who's been accused of multiple instances of sexual assault and harassment over the decades. And so it's from the perspective of one of his uh, survivors, Drew Dixon, who is she's this um she was this music exec at like the peak of hip-hop and uh was eventually raped by russell simmons and anyways so it's it's a me too documentary that follows these black women who who really give a voice to uh overlooked intersectionality of race and sexism and it was really really well done and very interesting to watch these women talk about how it can be hard for black women to feel like they have had a voice in the Me Too movement just because judgment is so much harsher on black women's sexuality, black women's experiences, and also that culture of you don't want to go against like your community and like call out this successful black man when he represents so much good for, you know, black people and the success Mm -hmm. stories. And so the documentary just like built in such an interesting and powerful way. And I thought it was just so well done. And um, they had so many different stories that were shared and different voices. And um, it was honestly, I'm embarrassed to say a story I didn't know much about. Like, you know, we have so much hot takes on Harvey Weinstein and like Louis CK and all these white people and the white women who were victimized by them and so it was sort of (laughs) humbling experience for me to like sit back and be like oh man like this is there is this like double-edged sword that we haven't been really focusing on and I'm I'm sort of surprised that this hasn't been talked about more like I haven't seen a lot about it and I you know I follow pretty feminist and supposedly (laughs) racially woke instagrams and twitter and so it's sort of like why hasn't this gotten more attention um but it is very well reviewed it has like a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes and um it's been talked about i just haven't been listening i guess so i really enjoyed it and i think it's such a good chapter in the me too discourse that it's just like it's a very easy documentary to obviously feel invested in because it's such an emotional story and these experiences are just so shocking and tragic and so I would recommend it for everyone because I just think it's hard to do these documentaries well and um, this one just really struck a chord and you said it's on HBO I think it's only on HBO Max like I think it's one they slipped in under the new banner so interesting yeah I mean I feel like every year there's so many good documentaries and there is and there are I feel like there. I miss so many of them. Like I know there's so many yeah. documentaries <laughs> that I don't watch. And I think especially uh, like, like the ones that I do watch every year are either things that are like in the Oscar conversation right. or nominated for that or things that are sort of getting a lot of word of mouth buzz. Mm-hmm. And because that really isn't a thing right now, yeah. 
I feel like I haven't watched like other than Miss Americana. I don't think there's any documentaries on my list, even though I know that there have to have been a bunch of good ones that have come out this year. So thank you for letting us know about this one because I had never heard of it and we'll definitely check it out. It was good. And um, also just, (laughs) yeah, it was really good and just well done. And I think it's interesting. Like you have a lot of like athlete a just came out on Netflix which obviously is mm-hmm. easier to watch for people because HBO has made it so complicated <laughs> to figure out what you can access. But I definitely think this is a really good, uh, a really good addition to the documentary section if you're looking for something. Well, and also I feel like especially with Netflix documentaries, it's hard to tell what is like an actual good <laughs> yeah. documentary and what's going to be one of their weird like uh, true crime fluff pieces. Yeah. So the fact that it's on HBO gives it a little bit more yeah. credence for yeah. me. Uh, so I'll be excited to watch. Yeah, and it's from the documentary filmmakers of The Hunting Ground, um, which is the oh, documentary yes. about uh, college campuses and, and sexual assault, and so which I also love, but this is equally good. So, Well, we are here at our top choices. <laughs> I think I know what yours is. Um, but... Mine is <laughs> Hamilton, which, you know, is not, is it a real movie? Is it not a real movie? I don't know. I was tr- I was having a hard time deciding, like, whether or not this should count because it's a, because it's basically a play that they've yeah. just filmed. But I really loved the play and I thought that they did a good job with the filming of it. And I just thought in comparison to everything else on this list, <laughs> like, the amount of talent in the acting, in the staging, in the writing, in everything, and just like as a cultural, uh, you know, touchstone that Hamilton, I just felt was so much higher than all of the rest of this stuff that it sort of felt like uneven and maybe I shouldn't have included <laughs> it in the list at all. But I, I was like, well... If I'm going to be filling up a top 10 and there's not that much stuff that's good anyways, I might as well slap it in here because I think it is a a really wonderful piece of art that especially if you're someone who still has not watched it for whatever reason, that you definitely should go check it out because it is definitely worth your time. And you have a good musical number, so I should have seen this. Yes, and truly, (laughs) you know, this is what we're learning. It's taken two years on this podcast for me to figure out that really what it does does it for me is a musical number. to reiterate for our listeners um not only do you think hamilton is better than defy bloods but you think isn't it romantic is better than everything but hamilton um <laughs> that's uh, what you said at the beginning so i'm just giving you a yes. chance here to maybe explain <laughs> You know, see, here's the thing. The problem with Isn't It Romantic is the same problem with Eurovision Song Contest, <laughs> where I just love it so much that it's hard for me to separate right. okay. things. Okay, no, that's fair. Uh, so, I, yeah. I like, had Hamilton. Would yeah. I suggest that in general, people like if, if somebody was like, hey, I can only see one of these, <laughs> Hamilton or Isn't It Romantic, I would say Hamilton. Yeah. And I would also say probably most of these... Well, maybe not most, but I think that to five bloods, I think bad yeah. education, I think onward, the assistant and Emma are all like more worthwhile watching than isn't it romantic, but I do love, isn't it romantic? So, so, but no, I, I had Hamilton as my like second option for your top three. So I should have, I just figured, cause I knew it would be in your top 10, but I guess I just, I knew you liked it, but I thought. I don't know. I thought you loved the musical more than the movie. So I don't know. It seems like we could get into semantics about this choice, but I get it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, would you have preferred me to not have it in my top 10 and have Eurovision Song Contest be my number one movie? Because that's the other alternative. Oh, dear. But then the Invisible Man gets bumped up to my top, to my 10 spot. So yeah, that's true. That's something to mull over for sure. Um, no, I... And if you can include a stand-up special, I can yeah, include a no, play. Yeah, no, I get it. I just am surprised at how how much the play trumped everything else. I, I had it at, like, 13, I think. So, it's not that I hate Hamilton. I just... Yeah. Well, I was, I was also trying to, like, go back and 
think about Hamilton from like when I first saw or like heard the music and saw the play because it's tough because like the movie it's something that's been around for a while so it's not like as fresh or new Mm -hmm. but I think just as a whole like the amount of stuff that is going on in Hamilton is stronger than (laughs) a lot of these other movies yeah I mean we did a whole episode about it so you can totally hear our feelings on it if you a few episodes back but my number one is to five blood so you got me there um I yes. <laughs> predictable, I guess. I knew that this was I I was like, it's gonna be your number one. She's gonna be mad that it's not my number one, but whatever. I, mean, I literally wrote like no questions asked. This is the best movie of the year so far. So I forgot like the question that is your taste, but I mean I just think I mean I also love <laughs> I this know, movie. So let's not yeah, pretend that I did. Right, you're right. I I think yeah, I stand by our original podcast about it. I totally hear people's complaints i just think maybe i feel like it was more intentional than they give credence to but no i mean it remains a great movie and we'll see if it if it can stand (laughs) through the rest of the year as who knows what comes out um but i was gonna say i looked back at our 2020 preview and what we were excited for and Things that should have come out by now that you were excited about were Antebellum, In the Heights, and Tenet. So do you think those mm. three would have docked any of any of your top ten or top five? <laughs> I mean, I think definitely. Those all feel <laughs> like movies that would have been better than these. And and I will say for with Divide Bloods that I think that that is the best movie that has come out this year. Yeah. I mean, if you're not counting Hamilton because it's a play, and I think that it is a better movie right, than right. Eurovision Song Contest. I just yeah, am more... It's tr- a personal I just like journey, it for yeah. But yeah, I mean, and the thing with Divide Bloods that's interesting is that you know, when they pushed back the, when that movie came out and they pushed back the Oscar nomination window, I sort of thought, uh, this is going to have to stand up longer. It's going to have more competition. But as the theater's op- reopening keeps getting pushed back further and further, mm-hmm. it's like right now, Defy Bloods is standing by itself <laughs> as kind of an Oscar contender that is out. And... I think more and more things are going to get pushed back to next year. So it'll have less and less competition. I feel like the question now at this point is whether or not the Oscars will just decide to cancel and roll everything over and do sort of like a two year thing. If theaters are out for, you know, nine months, 10 months, it's like, well, yeah, why don't we, instead of doing a ceremony for just three months where the movies (laughs) and some streaming things, why don't we just lump that all into the next year? So we'll see. Yeah, no, it'll be uh, interesting to watch that play out for sure. But overall, I mean, I feel like that for as bad as this year has been, there has been some good things to watch. I mean, it's sort of <laughs> taken a little bit more effort to find them, I think, sometimes. Yeah. But I mean, my most looked forward to movies were going to be Mulan, Wonder Woman, Promising Young Woman, and Soul. And I think... Oh, Promising Young Woman is... I think that's going to yeah, be good. Yeah, I think all of those Well, people have seen better, that already. So huh? I just... It's hard to look at this list and feel proud of it. You think Mulan will be better than Defy Bloods? No, 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 no. no. I'm saying all of those movies would have knocked one of these movies out of my top ten. Like, Mulan might have been. Mulan, Mulan, yeah, you're right. It could have gone either way, but the trailer makes me emo. I love a good costume drama, so it could have easily slid out, like, Miss Americana, at least, you know? (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a low bar. Yeah. So, and then Wonder Woman, freaking the trailer makes me weep. I could watch it any day of the week, and I'll forever be sad that that's not coming out. I mean, I guess it's still scheduled to come out this. I think it's set for. I guess I haven't checked lately. I can't keep track of. What's... I think it's sometime yeah, this fall. I don't think they bumped. bumped it all the way to next uh, year. So, so fingers crossed. Uh, um well this has been fun uh lots of things for you guys to be checking out if you haven't watched all of this stuff which i mean we haven't even watched all of these choices that we had so i'm sure that there is things to watch and guys next week is our 100th 
main episode <laughs> of the podcast. So we are coming back with something really fun and extra special. So get hyped for yes! that. Anniversaries. So fun. And you can follow us on social media. You can leave us a review. I mean, for like our two year anniversary, our 100th episode, like, don't you yeah. think that you owe us yeah. a good five star review? Yeah, I mean, not even owe us, but don't you want to gift us that? You know, like help us reach so true a hundred reviews for our hundredth episode. Wouldn't that make everyone just feel special? You know, to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. Yes, to be a part of something like to be a part of a big, fun, yeah. you know, sort of like musical house party <laughs> set in Scotland yes. with all of past Eurovision's yes. winners. This is your chance to 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 be something positive in our lives. And we have such little positivity here, you know, but we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. See you guys then. Bye. Bye.